Hey, Rumpers. No reenacted and unsolved mysteries podcast this week, but we are going to give you a taste of one of our fellow Bridge Burner podcasts called Piloting Error. Uh, this week, they're going to talk about a failed Gene Roddenberry pilot called Genesis 2. I hope you guys enjoy. We'll catch you next week. I'm Harper Smythe. I have been assigned here to Oz duties. There is a girl under that. What importance is that? Would the shape of my liver or pancreas interest you? Perhaps. I know why you ask that. Because all the people in your century were ruled by lust. I thought you were taking over my nurse's duties. You are a scientist, and yet you do not understand that lust destroyed your world. That is an interesting theory. It is a fact. Most of your world's problems were caused by aggression between male and female. Thus, in the end, it was animal lust that caused your civilization to fall. Just how many of you people feel this way? Great part of Pax is of the unisex persuasion. Outside, of course, primitives and barbarians continue in the same old errors. Well, thank heaven I'm safe here. Piloting Error, the podcast about unaired, unloved, and unhinged pilots. I am Joe Young, and with me as always is the man from the distant past come to save us all from certain doom. Oh. It's Stuart. How's it going, Stuart? Oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's a robot. Oh, dear. We are joined by a robot. There we go. How do I, does that sound better? Much there better. we go. Why am I echoing? All right. Yeah, maybe your shit fucked up because you are using crazy effects. Is it? Is that not intentional? Do I still sound like I'm an echoing? Do I still sound echoing? Are you, are you down in a cave deep below Washington, D.C.? Anyway. Echo. What is going on? My shit today. I don't know. Your shit's fucked up, as Warren Zevon said. Today, we are joined by two very special guests from the improv duo Sweeping the Nation, Kenny Rogers. It's Kenny Madison and Heidi Rogers. How are y'all doing? Hey! Oh, oh God. What just happened? Oh. oh! I just played... Well, I see that Discord has a soundboard, so... You know. <laughs> Hi! I'm Heidi. I'm Kenny. The Rogers of the Kenny slash Rogers. Hi, Heidi. Hi, Kenny. Something that's very ticklish to be here and to talk about what we're talking about. Today, this has been a blind spot for me for a very long time. I'm not sure I can claim the same thing for Heidi, but that, for me, this has been a blind spot for me. You're talking about this pilot? Yeah, we're talking about this pilot. Yeah, no, I definitely didn't know this existed until now. And I... I did, but I never watched it. I'm so excited. And I had never heard of it whatsoever, although we have done the sister show to this, The Quester Tapes. This, however, is Genesis 2. Another Gene Roddenberry pilot that, thank God, is not nearly as dull have you guys watched the Quester tapes? <laughs> I have not seen the Quester tapes. No. Heidi, you're a huge Quest head, right? I'm really not, unless we're talking about, obviously, Sequest. Uh, then, huge Quest fan. I mean, obviously, huge. That dolphin? Oh, yes. Oh, looking so leathery, he might as well be my jacket. 
How can anyone resist Roy Scheider? I, I mean, nobody. Dude, the teen guy that was on there, whatever his name was, I know he's passed now, God rest him, but oh man, he was good. He was tasty. Brandis. Jonathan Brandis. Heidi. Yeah, yes. of oh. Ladybug's fame as well. What the hell you know about soccer? You kick the ball down the field into the net. Try and control the ball. Forget the ball. Try and stay in your feet. Oh, I'm off to a great stop. Oh. Yeah, it was a movie with Rodney Dangerfield. He's like oh. his stepdad, and he, he takes up coaching a girls' soccer team, and, and he convinces Jonathan Lan- Jonathan Brandis, not Landis, to dress in drag so that they can win some games. I am here. Stuart! There he is. He's back. How does that sound? Good. You sound great. Oh, fantastic. Okay, good. <laughs> I think I had something. Uh, never mind. <laughs> Stuart, do you even know what we're doing here today? I mean, we could talk Kenny about and Heidi. Stuart, you old son of gun. Yes, we're here to talk about the Gene Roddenberry pilot Genesis 2. Oh, I thought it was pronounced Genesis. <laughs> Genesis? His name is Gene. <laughs> well... Uh, first of all, I wanted to thank everyone for meeting me here in our in our new cave studio, surrounded by our tiny conference table and everyone putting on their earth tone robes and giant medallions that Joe was able to find for us. That's right. I, I am very appreciative. I, I took the underground car <laughs> to get here, traveling from Tucson to Washington, D.C. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Heidi and I walked. My two human feet. No one, no one told you about the sub shuttle that we had installed. No, yeah. I'm very upset about it. I would never have walked this far otherwise. What do you think we spend all the money we make from this podcast on? You make money. Obviously, it's digging <laughs> tunnels and. So I don't know if we've already discussed this, but how did we, how did everybody feel about this? Did we enjoy it? Was it painful? Oh, you're way behind, yeah. Stuart. We already talked about all of this. No, oh, I'm sorry. no, we haven't talked about it at all. And I will defer to our guests. I liked it. Ooh. I just hate that they're taking the entire pilot and making it what could be three seasons of a show. That would be really cool and interesting. <laughs> and I don't want to see what happens after this pilot. I want to see this pilot expanded because it's juicy. It's booked. The production value was shockingly high for a TV movie for 1973. Um, oh, it was a TV movie? It yeah. Wasn't a pilot? Well, it's, a, it's a pilot with a TV budget. Yeah. So, uh, it, so I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but basically the way that it works, they would film these pilots <laughs> and when they decided that they didn't want to turn it into a TV show, they were uh, very crafty and they would turn what they had filmed into a TV movie oh. so that they could at least recoup a little bit of the expense from making it. Oh, that makes sense why it was so long. Yes. Yeah. Some of that budget has to be freaking Warner Brothers being like, we have got to get in on the Star Trek money. Let's invest in Gene Roddenberry's vision. Yeah. Well, by this point, Star Trek was a complete flop. Yeah. This was uh, like 72. Okay. So Star Trek... Oh God! Here he goes. Oh no! Star Trek was relatively a flop, but then in '69, the Nielsen's completely recalibrated, and then what they realized is that overall ratings were poor, but for the target demographic that the networks were going for, it was like off the charts successful. Oh. And then you couple that with Star Trek syndication, which Star Trek got huge only whenever it got into syndication, and then either in 72 or 74, I forget exactly whenever the first Star Trek convention is, but right now Gene Roddenberry is 
going around college campuses and he's building up the legend of Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> and so he's becoming an intellectual figure, a cult figure. So at worst, Gene Roddenberry is popular. Mm. It just hasn't really translated into success. And Warner Brothers is probably looking at that as well as, you know, Gene wanting to work some more because he wanted to get oh. out of Star Trek. Ooh. And Warner Brothers probably being like, at worst, we could have a show which we could at least coast off of the fumes of Star Trek by going, we have the other G. Roddenberry show because no one in Hollywood is understanding why Star Trek is working in syndication. And so they greenlight this pilot and then have some sort of experience, more than likely terrible because no one on a studio level ever liked working with Roddenberry because he was unnecessarily difficult. Oh, was he now? Yes. Yeah, I knew all that also. I, yeah, I actually, I did too. Yeah, yeah. I just let Kenny say it. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, The God's Honest Truth, he and Majel Barrett were on vacation in the Bahamas and he got bored and wrote this script in about 20 more episodes <laughs> in various stages of completion. That's wild. Which we have a few of those we might get into if we have time at the end because we have we have bits and pieces. Mm. But yeah, it's Gene Roddenberry joint. <laughs> He's always horny in oh. very strange ways. Were him and Harlan Ellison <laughs> friends? Speaking of like horny sci-fi writers, mm. did they did they get along or oh, did they gosh, just like no. compete sexually? Probably not. No, I, think... I know Ellison hated the episode of Star Trek: The City on the Edge of Forever, yeah. mm-hmm. which is usually considered one of the best ones. Yeah, I was gonna say strange. Yeah, but Harlan. Ellison is also just a freaking notorious prank. I didn't know that he was horny on Maine, just like Roddenberry, though. <laughs> oh, he was horny as fuck. This pilot revolves around cryonics and a trope which uh, the website TV Trope refers to as the human popsicle. Mm. The Trek bro billionaire's one-way time travel to the future where you freeze yourself and you wake up in the future and you're a temporal fish out of water. And we've got lots of movies, lots of different tv shows that have this basic plot futurama idiocracy austin powers captain america blast from the past it's literally like so we're just gonna watch futurama before futurama that would be <laughs> neat yeah, i have no problem with that <laughs> and i think this also falls into the frozen caveman subgenre. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah encino man unfrozen caveman lawyer <laughs> of course obviously i'm just a simple caveman sometimes when i get a message on my fax machine i wonder did little demons get inside and type it i don't know my primitive mind can't grasp these concepts i was trying to figure out how old this is and it it's called cryonics not cryogenics cryonics is specifically freezing people but way before all of that, there were stories like Rip Van Winkle and The Seven Sleepers. The Seven Sleepers of Ephesus. Yeah, from 250 AD. That seems to be the oldest one. And these guys were being persecuted by the Romans. So they just went in a cave and went to sleep and woke up when the political era had shifted <laughs> to a more favorable time. That's a good way to deal with your program, hmm. with your problems. <laughs> yeah, just go to sleep and wait for it all to be over. Oh my God. Yeah. That's what I did this afternoon. I just went to sleep and oh, I'm here. I'm so happy. Oh, we're glad you're here. Mm-hmm. We're happy to I'm have so you. so happy to be here. I'm glad I woke up for this. <laughs> we actually encountered cryonics on this very podcast way back in our sticker around the Andy Kaufman robot episode. What? I swear to God, if you put that. Oh my God. 
We discussed that it doesn't work. The process of freezing the body degrades the tissue and it can't survive. And there's all kinds of practical problems with making a freezer that'll actually last into the future. Or in a lot of cases, the cryonics company just goes out of business and they end up just throwing the bodies in a dumpster. That honestly seems like the most realistic to me, going out of business. And Mm -hmm. I know this because about a year and a half ago, I was considering freezing my eggs in case I wanted to have kids in the future. Yay, mid to late 30s problems. And yeah, for women. (laughs) La-di-da. So I was going to do that. And I was like asking questions. They're like, oh yeah, we freeze them. We send them this place and they send them back and we thaw them out. And I'm like... What if that place goes out of business? How do we know that the the truck is going to stay refrigerated the whole, and like all this stuff. And there was like, there was only so much they could answer because it's like, you're right. I might be throwing $15,000 away. Good Lord. Oh, you have no idea, my dude. And so, yeah, it's just like capitalism. It's capitalism that would be the most dodgy. Right. Yeah. The stability. You you need a cave way below the earth. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) There's at least one episode of TNG about cryonics. The season finale of season one, the neutral zone. Commander. Look at this. The crew discovers frozen survivors from the 20th century. Which is one of the only really decent episodes of the first season. Sorry, you're skipping over Code of Honor. I'm so sorry. (laughs) On a desperate life-saving mission, Lieutenant Yar falls prey to kidnappers. Oh, is that the one where... Tasha Yar has to fight for the... Oh, yeah. I can't... They go to an extremely racist society. Yes. Wait a second. We're talking about Next Generation? Yeah. yeah. Season one, Next Gen. First season not being good? Well, yeah. <laughs> There's some... I mean, I don't know. Uh. Okay. okay. I always say I always say start with season three. I feel like there's some some stuff in season two that's like worth seeing, but you're right. Season three is where it's at. Yes. Yeah. Season two begins with the child. News of an alien pregnancy alarms the crew. Something which I can only describe as a presence entered my body. Could this mysterious entity pose a deadly threat? Destroy it now. Which is the worst Star Trek ever. That's the one with Counselor Troy is pregnant. Right? Um, it's everybody's business except on. for hers. No, no. Yeah, I hate oh that God. episode with every fiber of my being. I mean, you're skipping over Space Seed from first season of Star Trek as well. Okay. Which has con and suspended animation as well. So it's stuff that our guy has already dabbled mm. in conceptually. And then Genesis 2 is kind of inversion of that. What if the tyrant comes into an enlightened future genesis 2 is kind of like what if an enlightened guy from the past is he really that enlightened though he doesn't seem it he seems horny yes (laughs) (laughs) he just seems like a horny scientist i understand but he i mean the way that they frame it at least in 1979 is just like well we're about to have everything so right now we like to judge how popular the the pilot is but with this one it's impossible because i found it available in every format on every website yeah. it is widely yeah. widely available it's on vhs it's on blu-ray it's for free on at least two or three versions on youtube it's on archive.org it's everywhere roddenberry man star trek fans will buy anything <laughs> well quester tapes was only was pretty limitedly available it was just on archive.org yeah it was just on the archive.org yeah and i'm sure it was uh, billions of views trillions i had quite a, it had quite a lot also since we're bringing up archive.org i would just like to take this opportunity to say fuck chuck Wendig once again yes 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He sued yeah. the Internet Archive. What it? What is? Yeah. What is? It's where you can watch the extended version of the Super Mario Brothers movie. Ah. That's right. Yeah, the secret version. I'll kill that plumber. Archive.org is one of only three useful websites on the internet. Wikipedia, yep. Archive.org, and Weather Channel. Man, love the weather. Uh, 27 degrees. Areas of fog early with a light wintry mix. Who wants to read this contemporary review that I found? Are you going to read that? Would love it. Is it the one that's in this little, nice little block of cheese? This is it. This is from Harry Harris. Wait, it's not. Oh, wait, hold on. It's not the one that's the news clipping or it is. Yes, the news clipping. Okay, cool. Do I read the whole thing? Yeah, go for it. Okay, just checking. Do I do you want it in a British accent? Oh, sure. Jane is like the symbolic CBSI will be looking both backward and forward. Those who enjoy the first are apt to loathe the second and vice versa. Tom Sawyer is a rather prettified version of the Mark Twain novel. Genesis 2, concocted and produced by Gene Roddenberry, a hallowed name among Star Trek buffs, <laughs> envisions a grim post-nuclear world war. Remember when Barbara Eden was forbidden to display her navel on NBC's I Dream of Jeannie? As a mutant Turanian, in Genesis 2, Mariet Hartley reveals two belly buttons. There are lots of gimmicks, the hero Dylan Hunt, played by Alex Gould, for instance, finds himself in the year 2133 after a rock slide kills everybody else connected with a 1979 NASA suspended animation experiment. Later, tranquilizer darts used today on animals became weapons for both Paxes and human enslaving Tyranians. Paxes are predominantly pro-unisex, but that's changing. On the Tyranian side, there's a woman country where males are tolerated only as pets. If much about what just happened. I played an air horn. Oh, you're insufferable. After being seduced by Terranian undercover and an undercovers agent, was superior to humans in almost every way, she says, disrobing. Genesis 2, alas, is no Star Trek 2. So this aired after Tom Sawyer. Can you imagine that as the lead-in? On a Friday night? Is it? It's just a Tom Sawyer TV movie. Yeah, it starred Buddy Epson. The tin, not the Tin Man, the guy that was... Uh, Jed, Jed Clampett, yeah. Jed Clampett. What, he was the Tin Man, and then mm-hmm. he had to leave because he got poisoned. Poisoned by silver paint. Goodness. Poisoned. 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 That really wasn't that of a horrible of a review. Yeah, they're usually scathing. Yeah. This has ideas. This this was a pleasant watch. I liked it. I genuinely was like, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? I mean, it gave me whiplash because we're just moving across entire giant swaths of land in really short time. It's like the last season of Game of Thrones. It's just like, what is going on here? I mean, to be fair, once Heidi finished, she texted me and went, when can I see Genesis 3? Brianne, my wife, she fell asleep immediately at the beginning of it. And when the credits were rolling, she woke up and said, that sucked ass. Oh, I hated it. I hated it. Caught up and walked out of the room. My wife. Oh, my God.
Bell and Rob's An Excellent Adventure is a podcast where we take a trip to the local video store and create seasons of episodes based on a theme. Could it be a robot takeover? Could it be alien invasions? Could it be siblings of more famous actors? Could it be all of the above? Yes, it could. On Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure, we are not afraid to go there. So listen to Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure wherever you get your podcasts or bridgeburner.page and get every single episode, audio and video at patreon.com slash Bill and Rob's. All right. The first thing that happens is we're introduced to Dylan Hunt, our hero, who's played by Alex Cord. Very handsome guy. Mediocre actor, best known as Michael Coldsmith Briggs III, or Archangel from the TV show Airwolf. He's bland mustache man to me. Rude. I don't really think he's that great. I think this could have been anybody, but... The bar of what constituted an attractive leading mm-hmm. man back then is very different. Than yeah, we can go back. At best, you'd be like the schlub in this day and age. You just have to have a mustache and feathery hair. Yeah. I'm becoming one of those return guys with a V, <laughs> but just for having less than super hot dudes as leading men. This guy feels like like a watered-down version of an already diet Charlton Heston. Oh. And he just kind of talks like this. I'm Dylan Hunt. We're living in the year 2133. I may be from the past, but you can't tell me what to do. I'm a strong, independent man. <laughs> now dab all the sweat off of my chest. <laughs> he gives an, us an exposition dump here at the beginning. My name is Dylan Hunt. My story begins the day on which I died. Which is not accurate at all. No, not even remotely just, accurate. He just goes to sleep. What do you say about a 40-year-old man who died? <laughs> my last look at my world was to be from inside a pressure chamber at NASA's underground laboratory in Carlsbad Caverns. That's where NASA is. Is that where NASA is? No. no. Oh. 100% no. Yeah, it's like a national park, right? Why? Yeah. I have no idea why they put it there. Maybe because it's close to the nuclear test sites? Probably. He was thinking that. But it's very strange choice. But apparently there's an enormous underground and above ground military facility in NASA in Carlsbad, New Mexico. Wonderful. It had been my decision that our method was ready to test on a human. So it seemed that any risk should be mine too. I had guided the basic research since being appointed chief of the project on February 14th, 1979. So we, we get his voiceover, which also I felt like was kind of totally unnecessary. I, I imagine yes. this was insisted upon by a producer because they didn't think people would understand what was going on. Yeah, because producers was... don't understand what's going on half the time. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's true. But it ends up complicating it too much because there's so much unnecessary backstory. Yeah. The status quo is about to change completely. Also, one of the things that Roddenberry loves to do is grandstand, and he loves to make bold proclamations about how humanity is improving and evolving, and we're always working towards a thing. And so he jammed a lot of that in here. I wish he were right. He was close with NASA, thanks to Star Trek at this point. It was a symbiotic relationship where so many people were... Inspired by Star Trek. I mean, they freaking named the first space shuttle Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And then also they had science advisors and they were working closely with military folks and folks that were working in aviation. 
And so it could have just been a shout out to his buds at NASA. And then also they just need to set it in the, whatever that New Mexico, Arizona region is because. You got to film in California. Yeah. And they want to cut out to the exterior and show that the desert has gotten even more green because Roddenberry <laughs> wants to show that the world has improved. We need more optimists like him, I think. Gene Roddenberry loves men on slabs. Oh boy. <laughs> Who doesn't? That's all the Quester tapes was about, was men laying on slabs. Ooh, get on that slab. Baby boy. Baby boy. <laughs> <laughs> and he keeps explaining that this was his idea and he felt like he needed to be the one to test it. This is not how that works at all. <laughs> Generally not. But they're saying they're going to use this for, like, sending astronauts into space. Interesting. Yeah, it was called the Ganymede Project because Ooh. Ganymede's a moon. Yeah, moon off Jupiter, the, right? I don't really think that anyone really knows where or what Ganymede is. I think no. we all just know that Ganymede is something. Lives in our hearts. That's right. <laughs> I think the real Ganymede is the friends that we made along the way. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So we jump back a little while to him traveling to Carlsbad Caverns. I arrived from Washington, D.C. on the newly completed underground sub-shuttle. Perhaps my confidence in our experiment dated from that trip. And he's riding on the sub-shuttle, which is an underground subway that goes from Washington, D.C. to Carlsbad Caverns. <laughs> it's dope as hell. It's like an Elon Musk hyper loop but not a dumb idea to put a guy inside of a four-seater car and shoot him through a tube mm. it seemed kind of like an extra idea that was just shoved in here but it's really cool it's a good idea he's hanging out with some kind of military officer they finally recognized that surface and air transport's gotten too vulnerable well let's hope that with the chinese alliance working so well you people will soon be out of a job <laughs> i can't say that i mind that looks like humanity's finally growing up yeah god willing and the creek don't rise that's like a very gene roddenberry line mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i can't imagine any military person ever saying anything like that ever no mm -hmm. heidi what do you think of the military Listen. I support our men in blue. Black. Wait. Navy? What are the colors of the military again? Khaki. Khaki. Khaki! I support our men in khaki. Yeah, the, the thin khaki line. <laughs> I love that movie. So they arrive at Carlsbad. And we get this really cool cave terminal set, which had to be extremely expensive. It looks like a, a James Bond set. This fucking kicks ass. Looks really cool. Legit. They should have called the cavern Carl's Good. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Lenny, Kenny, you, you can fucking leave now. You can just fucking leave now. Bye. <laughs> they should have just called the show Cave Train. Cave Train, fuck yeah. It's a man in his train in a cave, oh fuck yeah. He's got a mustache and a briefcase and he's riding on a train, fucking cave. <laughs> cave Train. Truck yeah! It's a train man. <laughs> Truck yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Dylan, he's walking through this underground NASA facility, and it's like half cave, half office building, and it looks really 100%. neat. Hundred percent. This is my dream. But he's walking along. He's doing his voiceover. Our problem in reviving the animals was solved when we discovered a strong relationship between the will to survive and the need to reproduce. After the inevitable jokes over the possibility of male and female astronaut teams, massive injections of brain stimulants were found to work as well. He's so horny. Yeah. 
And at that moment, he's like turning around looking at this, just this random office woman walking by, just checking her out. Yep, he sure is. Blatantly. I love Gene Roddenberry, keeping it fresh. What? There, there have been so many horny men that have worked in Hollywood. Dare I say? <laughs> may I say? Mm-hmm. Roddenberry might be the horniest of them all. It's true. I, ooh, I don't know. I don't know. It's a hot opinion. Yes. And then also, <laughs> the one movie that he wrote is Pretty Maids All in a Row, hmm. which is a sex comedy that happens in a high school what? where the star is a high school teacher. Uh-oh. What? Oh, God. With Rock Hudson? What the fuck? Oh, and Telly Savalas. That's the most emphatic anyone has ever said Telly Savalas in the last 20 years. <laughs> Telly Savalas? I don't think that's true. Heidi, you've got a nephew. Jacob loves Telly Savalas, right? Kids love Telly Savalas. Listen, Jacob is so goddamn excited for Telly Savalas. He's only 21 months old, but he knows what he wants in life, and he wants more Telly Savalas. He's already got a Telly Savalas tattoo. You know what's crazy is they don't usually let babies be tattooed, but in this case, they made an exception. <laughs> By every measurement we knew of, the experiment should have gone perfectly. What we did not know was that a fault, a flaw, existed in the rock strata directly over our heads, and that the slightest ground tremor would be enough to dislodge it. Do you think this was the attack that started the war, or if it was just a random earthquake that just happened to happen right at this moment? I think it was a... I think it was just like boulder sliding. Like it was like a, it just happened because they didn't build it correctly, I think is what it said. I agree with Heidi. Right? I think it was a boulder slide. I think it's a much smarter idea. <laughs> it was a nuclear strike. That would make way more sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a boulder slide. But who would have nuked America? <laughs> Come on. Come on, mm. guys. Train man. Fuck yeah. Train Man's coming to save your America. <laughs> oh my God, they gave Train Man a nuke. Either way, we get the title sequence, which is fairly psychedelic and kind of 2001 y. Mm-hmm. And I suppose it kind of symbolizes he's traveling through time. Yes. They do the same visual trick for Buck Rogers in the 25th century later in the seven days. Oh. Buck Rogers is spiraling backwards. So, too, is he going through a, a wormhole of time? Ooh. Was Brock Rogers, was he frozen, or does he just get, like, something else happened to him? Look, I don't think anyone really knows. No one's watched that goddamn show. (laughs) Listeners, if you know what happened to Buck Rogers, send us an email at pilotingerrorpodcast.gmail.com and leave a five-star review on on iTunes. Well, he's my my great-great-grandfather, clearly. Ooh, really? Yeah. You're also related to Duck Dodgers? Duck Dodgers in the 24th and a half century. You know what's weird? It's when it rhymes, you are related to them. Interesting. According to Wikipedia, God's honest truth. Captain Buck Rogers is piloting the space shuttle Ranger 3 when he flies into an unexpected space phenomenon and is frozen for 504 years. Yeah, there you go. Human popsicle. People start finding Dylan. This is when we meet Primus Isaac, and this show is going to have a lot of less Claypool drops. Oh no, fuck me. Why? All the leaders, they wear long robes and giant medallions, and they're all called Primuses. So this is Primus Isaac, and he is played by the prolific movie trailer voiceover artist Percy Rodriguez. There is a passageway to the most evil place you can imagine. A gate behind which the demons wait 
to take back what was once theirs. Maybe the most handsome man in this show. And also you play Commodore Stone in the episode Court Martial. Huh. Uh, prolific artist. Prolific. Prolific. Star Trek. Star Trek, Heidi. I, yeah, no, I know. The bolts are freed. Inside pressure must be holding the door closed. Body must have been preserved by some sort of gas in there. Asa Ganymede Project. Do you see emergency decompress anywhere? Try the door now. They release the gas from the chamber? Remarkable. Perfectly preserved. He must have been a handsome man. Primus, the flesh is soft. We get this incredible up-nose shot, and they all say, He breathes. He's alive. God. Jesus Christ. And then they cut back to it again just to make sure that we believe him. <laughs> they zoom in. He's like very pale. It's very weird. Very scary. This fake beard that they put on him is fucking horrendous. Yeah. It's horrible. It looks gross. That's only as far as his hair went. You either don't have his hair at all grow or it has been growing nonstop for this entire time. Like, yes, he is. He like looks good. Yeah. And then he wakes up and he's. Let me tell you, the wigs in this show are out of control. Mm, they're yes. beautiful. Oh, that's good. Especially in the second half, we get some wild wigs. That's what happens whenever you blow the budget on the cave train. So true. I also love that like his skin is like a perfectly normal color here, but then like in two seconds, it's the most pale white you've ever seen. Hmm. He looks like a fucking vampire from a 90s movie. <laughs> Look, okay, hold on, hold on. The reason that his hair is like this and is not all the way grown out is because for every 10 years of being asleep, you're only basically aging like what? A one day? Oh, Kenny, don't, oh. don't. Don't make it all right. Don't do that. See, it, look, the logic, I my numbers might be a little bit off, but that's why the hair is that way because it's it's only been... As I like to say all the time, just a drop in the ocean of time. Mm, you do like to say that all the time. The fake beard might be the only one I've seen in a movie or a TV show that is worse than Steven Seagal's coma beard from Hard to Kill. A little surprise for you. Would you like little pussy, JD? Just little bitty pussy. Look what I've got here. Sweet. Which I've just posted so everyone can look. <laughs> Oh, let me see. Oh, not there. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. That's a horrible picture. Looks like a Kmart version of Jason Momoa right there. That is maybe the most accurate description of Steven Seagal I can think of. <laughs> it's a Walmart version of Jason Momoa. Even like a Walmart, maybe like a Dollar General version that that your that your grandma saw. And it was like, I got you the Aquaman toy. And you're like, no. <laughs> You can't say anything because, like, you love your grandma and you don't want her to get upset. Just water guy and not Aquaman. <laughs> Just water guy. It's water guy. Water guy. Honey, I got you water guy, sweetheart. Don't you love water guy? The man at the store said this would be the one. Oh, he lied, honey. He's wondering who we are. A rock fall buried this whole section of the caverns. They gave up looking for you a long time ago. It is the year 2133. Among these primuses, there's Lee Ra'a, played by Marriott Hartley. 
whose uh, first role was in 1962. That's 60 years ago. And she is still acting with 137 credits. Good for fucking her. Good for her. She was in a Hitchcock film, Marnie. She was also in The Incredible Hulk. And she shows up in Encino Man, which wraps around to our episode today. She's a working actor. She's still going. Yeah, she is still going. It's a ton of roles. Also, most importantly was in the second to last episode of Star Trek, the original series. Yes. Speaking of being a caves is Spock's love interest in the cave portion of that episode. So they wake up Dylan and he is groaning how many days (laughs) and they tell him it's the year 2133. And he's like, no way. What year? And Primus Primus says it really slow. 2133. Can you drop in Michael Bean from Terminator? What day is it? The date! 12 May, Thursday. What year? (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) They're wheeling him through the corridor, and it's the same cave complex from earlier, but now it's filled with people all wearing uh, jumpsuits, and the walls are lined with paintings and books, and there are sunflowers. They look so cool. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i want to live there yeah there's no singing though there's never singing unless they make them sing a real gaslighting situation this man from the past how will we wake him up this guy just believes women really easily that's the key of this entire oh, show. Yeah. he just believes women i mean but not, not in a good way in this case <laughs> Yeah, hashtag believe women. They get in the elevator and Dylan starts trying to talk. Intravenous to inject. Inject an alien substance into his body. Okay, I was very confused by this when I was watching it. I thought that I had missed something. Did they freeze a fucking junkie (laughs) and send him to the future? Tried. He said earlier that the only thing that woke them up was having sex. And he's like, <laughs> we need to send up male and female astronauts together to wake each other up. Then they said they came up with a thing. We found a drug. Thank God. They came up with the fuck drug. God, they did that. The problem here is they don't have the drug. They're like, inject something into your body? That's weird. And then he he starts reaching out for Lee Ra. And he's like... <laughs> I need to fuck you. That is exactly what is, is happening here. Rodney's so horny. So, so horny. horny. Well, the next thing that happens is he wakes up in a bed all sweaty and shirtless, and Lee Ra'a is leaning over him, yeah, doing is. something very vigorously. Good morning. Do you remember how I've cared for you? I, I don't know how you else you can interpret this scene. Like, it's not explicitly said, but she is clearly fucking him back to hell. I don't think so, but I like your enthusiasm for that idea. Okay. Can you pull the Tim and Eric sketch? Insert the sound effect. Snuggle you back to hell. Really want to upload sound effects of Arnold Schwarzenegger saying Dylan. Dylan! Dylan! Dylan, you uh, son of a bitch! Dylan! 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 Still pushing pencils. Dylan! 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 Oh, man. You son of a bitch. So she kind of fills him in on uh, 
the nuclear war that happened sometime in the past and it explains that these people are called the Pax, P-A-X, which means peace. Right, in Latin, which no one speaks. It means peace, but it's a cover. They call themselves Pax, peace, to fool others. Actually, they're descendants of the soldiers who made war from here. But she's totally gaslighting him because none of this is true. But she is, in fact, a spy and a mutant. And then she takes off her robe to reveal a, a pretty cool bathing suit and her double belly button, which is the most infamous thing from this pilot. We Terranians have two hearts, greater strength, superior to humans in almost every way. Does anybody want to read this? I copied it from Wikipedia, The God's Honest Truth. I, I'm on it. The plot point about the Terranians. Gotta do it in a British accent, you jerk. Plot point about the Terranians. I'm gonna do circle The The plot point about the Terranians having a dual circulatory system with two hearts and thus identifiable because they were born with two navels was an elaborate in-joke. While producing Star Trek, Roddenberry was constantly besieged by demands for changes from the censors at NBC's Broadcasting Standards Department, which he took to calling the BS Department due to the often petty nature of their revisions. Among the things to which the censors routinely objected was the depiction of a navel on anyone with a bare midriff, resulting in several reshoots of scenes with actors and revealing but otherwise decent attire whose navel showed. In making the double navel the distinguishing physical feature of the Tyranians, Roddenberry was effectively filming every navel that he had been forced to censor from Star Trek twice over. That is so weirdly horny. He's so horny. He's such a horny boy. He's... So horny. I bet you think this show is bad. <laughs> you put Austin Powers there. Do I make you horny, baby? Do I make you horny, baby? Do I? Do I make you Randy? Oh my god. <laughs> Randy, baby, yeah. Yeah. So we cut to a board scene where the Primuses, who all wear the, the robes of the giant medallions, Primus Isaac is arguing with Primus Ulog about what to do with Dylan Hunt. The man from the past has been in Lyra Asker for 15 days now. Yes, I have seen him daily, and each time I've seen him, he's grown stronger. But everything he learns of us and our world is from the lips of a Tyranian. From a fellow member of Pax, Ivan. Like many others, she left her people, took our oath freely. Oh, Isaac, an oath means nothing to a mutant. But Lyra R is only half mutant. Her mother was as human as yours or mine. But Primus, when she lived in Terrania, my agents found no evidence of humanity in her. And this is our uh, our obligatory Major Barrett cameo as Primus Dominique. You love to see it. She's Loves great. You. She's so good. She is. Now, the man from the past is alive. More than simply a man from the past, a scientist. His brain contains knowledge it would take the world centuries to discover again. And that's the recurring theme. Everybody wants to pick his brain. Yeah. You're living in an underground system that has, like, air from the, the top. Like, you have all of these things. They've got all the books. They've got all the research. I'm like, okay, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> okay, okay. Sure, sure, sure. No problem, no problem. It's not unlikely that someone <laughs> from that time period, or at least who, like, was not that far removed, would still be alive. It's only 104 years. To be fair, it was a really big boulder. No! <laughs> yeah. It killed all the people in the world because of the boulders. They've spent millions and millions and millions of dollars building this underground facility, and one rock slide comes, and they're like, eh, nah, it's fine. We'll just go. Oh, no. We, oh, well. We, we fucked up. 
the rest of it seems fine. It's just that one tiny section. And then that one day they're like, you know, we're just going to go down there today just to see what's up. We've been down there in a while. Let's go find somebody. There was one guy at the NASA Carlsbad Caverns who was trying to put a picture <laughs> on a load-bearing column just to kind of brighten up the caverns. Gosh. And, like, he hammered just a little bit too aggressively. Mm-hmm. And that load-bearing column just caused mm-hmm. a cave-in. You just got to be careful with that limestone. And that limestone can be a bitch. The man from the past is out of his quarters. He's with Lyra R. Good Lord. Van Gogh. Botticelli, Rembrandt, it's incredible. They've looted the whole world. No one is safe from them. Well, they sure show a lot of taste in what they steal. Deeper in the caverns, they have armory workshops, gunsmiths. I'll find a way later to show you those. But she never does. Mm, interesting. Rembrandt, there's a Picasso, there's a trees, <laughs> there's all every kind of artwork that you could see under the caves. Shatner? Is that what we're doing right now? Oh no, that's my Alex Cord impression. Uh, it's really good. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I thought he was on the podcast. Wow. Get over here and dab the sweat off my chest. You're saying that this is Genesis 2? <laughs> what? I didn't even like Genesis 1. Are you trying to tell me that this hair on my chest doesn't absorb sweat as well as your mouth? <laughs> They take an elevator to the surface, and we see nature has reclaimed the earth. Without oil, the wheels stop. Without wheels, the factories stop. Without factories, food transport stops. Earth isn't finished, Dylan. It's only different. In some ways, perhaps even better. There's some really nice matte paintings in this, by the way. Oh, yeah. Like, just incredible. Oh, my gosh. Seriously. Had the same thought. That is a lost art. When is the last time somebody painted a background for something? Heidi, you did it yesterday. Really? Did it yesterday. I am so good at this. Seriously? Not even a little serious. No, that was not a even lie. a little. Mm-hmm. This is when things start getting really convoluted because she is telling him. For many years of fighting, each side feared the death bombs of the other too much. When they were finally used, the scientists revolted. Then at last we did show some guts. Hmm? But the ancestors of Pax then took power. Many scientists were killed as traitors. Your teachers and technicians tried to save them, and a great frenzy of killing began. Even though we haven't really seen any of that. Mm -hmm. And she convinces him not to trust Pax, which is then further backed up because a couple of Primuses come outside and introduce themselves to Dylan. Oh, I was hoping to welcome you to our century in a different fashion, Dylan Hunt. I am Primus Kimbridge. This is Primus Yulof. Yes. Pax Security Chief. Lyra R. told me I've been meeting you. I have so many questions to ask you. The first question must be, what Lyra R. has told you of Pax? Why? We are naturally concerned with the knowledge you carry. You are not unlike a death bomb yourself. The power of your knowledge could have great value, but it could also destroy us all. We hope you would use it in our cause once you understand us fully. And Dylan is like, oh, you guys want me to build you weapons. That's clearly what's going on here. I had to rewind this like three times because they were downstairs in their little UN room chatting it up. These people are notoriously liars. And I'm just like, you completely trust her, completely and totally trust her. She sounds like she just got there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, like, thinks that maybe if you really trusted her, you probably wouldn't let her be taking care of him this entire time. It sounds very risky. Ludicrous. It's just a ludicrous. It's very Star Trek. 
Oh, for sure. There's, I mean, this happens all the time in Star Trek where they'll just bring someone on board and trust them 100% and just let them have the free run of the yeah. ship and everything. Yeah, your name's Khan? Come on in. This would be like them in the original series just like having one of the bad guys on the ship and the bad guy comes in and is just like, hey, I'm a good guy. And then immediately they're like, you're right. You should be in charge of client relations. And immediately that bad guy is just going around to every new person that gets on the enterprise is like, actually, enterprise is kind of bad. I completely understand what you're talking about. Sorry, my dog is barking. I'm trying to get him to shut the fuck up. Oh, oh, um, oh yeah. also, because I just can't help but just see all of the Star Trek things as well. The elevator has the movie things just like on the turbo lift on Star Trek. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Then also, I don't know what it is, but Roddenberry is just showing the desert, but it's got more green uh, in it, mm. which has got to be the reason that it's set in freaking New Mexico. Does the exact same thing in the original pilot in Star Trek mm -hmm. to show that time has changed. That's it. That's all. That's all. Well, when Dylan gets back to his room, he finds that they have replaced Lee Ra'a with a more reserved nurse named Harper Smythe. He has a contentious relationship with her the rest of the pilot. It's cute. Seth. I just love it because they said that they're unisex now. And I'm just like, you mean asexual? Like, you're all one Like, I just was like, unisex was just an interesting way of saying it. Because I'm like, that doesn't mean non-sexual. That means you're all the sex, pretty much, right? That means everybody has sex with everyone. Yeah, or like you're all having sex within yourselves with yourselves. And I'm like, how do you have children? What's going I feel on? like that's Roddenberry <laughs> being like, boy, I don't like it when women look like men. I think he likes it whenever men look like men, mm -hmm. but I don't think that he likes it whenever women act like men. If anything, he likes it when women are extremely feminine and not only that, but much stronger than no, him. No, she has short hair. Ooh. She not? We cut to a few minutes later. Dylan has fallen asleep and uh, Lira uh, breaks in. She ties up Harper Smith and through a fairly exciting sequence wherein Dylan gets shot with a tranquilizer dog, ah. they escape using the shuttle tube system. It was like perfect because it's like right in the middle very of the cool. show and you get this big exciting chase scene like right when you need to be woken up. It was very cool. And with that, it's time to stop the show and play a game. Hey, I love games. Well, guys, I just realized I forgot to pick my kids up from the pool, mm -hmm. so I'll be right back. It's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I'll be right back, but I've, I've got someone who's going to fill in for me. Okay, great. Yeah. Hello there, sinners. Oh, hi. Hi. Is he serious? Pleasure to make your acquaintance. Hi. I, I'm Gertrude von Wilhelm Val Johnson Van Christchurch Delk Gutenberg. Wow. God's most righteous warrior. Big fan of yours can't tell if he's serious. As I'm sure you can tell, I'm God and Jesus and the Bible's number one super fan. Oh, wow. Oh. It's so great that you're here. Mm. Oh, well, I, I'm pl pleased to be here. Oh, God. Pleased to be here. <laughs> but uh, a little something about me. <laughs> Not only huh. do I love Jesus, God, and the Bible, but I also love the most perfect band in all creation, Genesis. Oh, oh so. I've got a couple of questions for you about the music of Genesis, 
Phil Collins, and Peter Gabriel. Oh boy. I'm going to give you the title of an album and you have to tell me whether it is a Genesis album, a Peter Gabriel solo album, or a Phil Collins solo album. This is exactly what I'm <coughs> ready for this. You ring in with your name. Collins! Collins. Okay, <laughs> Phil Collins. Okay, that's wrong. That's negative one point for Heidi. Heidi! Right, I'm so sorry. That's just the rules of the game. God damn it. All right, number one, us. Oh, Stuart. Okay. Peter Gabriel. That is correct. Ooh. Came out in 1992. I got it on vinyl. Well, good for you. How is it as a it's, listen, Stuart? You know, it's great. I love listening to it too. <laughs> All right, question number two. Press pass. Kenny, go ahead. I think that Genesis. That is correct. On the board. Ooh. Good job. All right, number three. Duke. Heidi. Heidi, go ahead. No, Collins. No, Heidi. Kenny. Kenny, go ahead. Genesis. That's correct. 1980s Duke by Genesis. It's a great album. Which is probably fronted by Phil Collins. Most likely. Didn't do a ton of research for this. Sure, yeah, of course. <laughs> Question number four. Testify. Hey. Okay, go ahead, Heidi. Phil Collins. That's correct. <laughs> on the board. Shocking! I'm on the board! That's right. Good job, Heidi. You're back at zero points, Heidi. <laughs> All right. Question number five. Scratch my back. And that's not just a request. That's the name of the album. Ooh. Kenny. Peter Gabriel. That's right. That sounds like a Peter Gabriel album. Does it? Shock the monkey. <laughs> Question number six. Invisible Touch. Oh, gosh. Kenny, go I ahead. The song. I, 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 it's going to be Phil Collins. Oh. No, wrong. Heidi. Heidi, go ahead. Genesis. That is job, Heidi. Yeah. I literally just chose one of the three. Well, that's all you got to do is just choose one of the three. Of the two left over. Just got to make your choice between God and the devil. <laughs> I love this bitch. Question. choice. <laughs> you too, Heidi. <laughs> and you know what? Jesus loves you as well. well. Question number seven. Dance into the light of Christ. Sorry, I added that. Stuart. Go ahead, Stuart. It's a Peter Gabriel. Incorrect. Heidi. Heidi, go ahead. Collins. That is right, Heidi. Yes. Que question number eight. This is dumb and I love it. We can't dance. Kenny, 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 Y'all don't remember that music video? They said we. Said we, which means more than one person. Which, yeah, there uh, were quite a few people in Genesis. They were a pretty big band <laughs> and very popular, and I love them. <laughs> Question number nine. Hey, you said you're the biggest fan of Genesis. That's right, I am. 
I, I've seen them on TV on the David Letterman program. Interesting. I don't much care for, for him, but, you know, I'd do anything to see Genesis. <laughs> Question number nine. No jacket required. Ooh, Stuart. <laughs> Stuart, go ahead. Phil Collins. That's correct. Great job, Stuart. I got two. You got two. Last one here. Even though they have like 55 albums between the three of them. Wind and Wuthering. Heidi? Heidi, go ahead. Peter Gabriel? Oh, no, it is not Peter Gabriel. Heidi! <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, you cannot ring in twice, I'm kidding, Heidi. I'm kidding. I'm so sorry, Heidi. I'm kidding. Can, can you go ahead? Is it Genesis? It is Genesis. <laughs> all right, y'all. Well, I gotta go. It looks like looks like Joe's coming back with all, all of his children. Oh, He's got like twelve children, and they're all sopping wet and just getting water all over the floor. Good God! I'm gonna go find a towel and dry up his little floor here so it doesn't mildew. You and Joe can't just share the same mic. No, that's impossible. <laughs> I just I got I gotta go. I've got I've got to get back to the church. Okay, that's for that's... church stuff. Mm. Like eating Jello. It's not. Oh. Looking for your next audio binge? Bridge Burner is an independent podcast collective with all types of shows guaranteed to bring you hours of enjoyment. Podcasts like Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. On Reenacted, hosts Robert and Crystal watch and discuss the classic episodes of Unsolved Mysteries. They don't take themselves or the program seriously. They're just a couple of dummies who love Unsolved Mysteries. Or try Piloting Error, a crash course in abandoned media. Hosts Joe and Stu and guests walk scene by scene through television pilots that were aired but never picked up for series. It's a time capsule of the bizarre. Maybe you'll enjoy Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure, where hosts Bill and Rob find the joy in watching a lackluster series of films like Predator or pre-MCU Marvel films. Hey, you could even check out The Bachelor Masters, a non-corporate show about the Bachelor franchise. What does the Bachelor series say about society? This podcast will let you know. If these shows sound fun, then you'll definitely enjoy Pumpkin Spice Podcast, a seasonal treat where comedy and horror movies meet all year long. But wait, there's more. Bridgeburner also has access to two Mike Sachs exclusives, Randy, the full and complete audio memoir of The Amazing Life and Times of Randy S., and Passing on the Right, both hilarious pieces of audio fiction created by the award-winning writer Mike Sachs. If you have a podcast that you think would fit with the Bridgeburner Collective, reach out to any of these shows, and they'll let you know how to join. Remember, five stars are our favorite, we love reviews, and also, share every single one of these podcasts in your group chat. It's Bridgeburner, and you can see more at bridgeburner.page. What is? What would you like to tell us or our listeners about yourselves and what you do and everything? Yeah, please do tell. I'm st- actually I'm still here. Still when are here. you gonna leave? Are you gonna leave? Or? I don't know. Okay. I'm just I'm I'm waiting for Joe to get done. He's he's. 
change in his baby's daughter. You see Joe in the distance, but he's he and his children are just going slowly. There's 12 of them. It's very difficult it's, to wrangle that many it's children. It's a lot, yeah. Oh, look, he's coming back. Bye, y'all, love Hey, guys. I'm back. Hey, you're back. Oh, he's back. I'm back. Here I am. Do you even have children? I'm just curious. That's just a lie. Yeah, 12 of them. 12, 12, 12 children. children. 12 beautiful children. What are their names? Dasher. Curvin, Lurvin, Dasher, Irvin. Prancer, <laughs> Wagner. Doc. Wagner. <laughs> Irvin. Sleepy John Malkovich. <laughs> Aperol. Dopey. Dopey. Crevice. <laughs> and App. Apple two. Apple two. Named after the computer, not after not after Gwyneth Paltrow's child. No, it's named. Okay, you did. We named them after you after did. Gwyneth Paltrow's kid. Yeah, it's more. <laughs> it's more of a Teen Wolf two situation where it's T O O. What are our guests like? Well, guess. Hey there. Well, this is Heidi, the Rogers of Kenny slash Rogers. I put the slash in there because it's important because mm -hmm. you know we're not Kenny Rogers the Kenny Rogers who may he rest in peace is distinct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Though you are gamblers. We are, I mean, yes. badly. But yeah, we're <laughs> we're Kenny Rogers. We are an improv duo in Austin, Texas. We oh. do really fun improv shows that are very highly audience interactive. We, we go into and out of the audience a lot throughout the entire show. We break the fourth wall and we're very irreverent. But basically, we just follow the fun. And I think between us, me and Kenny probably have about 25 years of experience altogether. Oh, my God. Um, we have a link tree. We have an Instagram account, Kenny Rogers Improv. We have a Facebook account, Kenny Rogers Improv. You can see all of our upcoming shows here in Austin. We're also, we are going up to San Antonio, down to San Antonio shortly. I'm going to be teaching workshops down there. So yeah, we're just, we're, and we're really excited to hopefully start traveling more to now that, you know, kind of the pandemic's passed more to travel to more like improv, you know, theaters across the country or the, the world and, and do more workshops and perform more. Invite them to come teach a, a workshop in your town, listeners. Yeah. We'd love that. Our millions of listeners. Yeah. If anybody that owns an improv theater in Denver, Colorado wants to bring them up here, I'll go to the show as long as I'm on the list. Oh my God. I would love to go to Denver. Come on up. Do improv. Come on up. Any, did you want to add anything or did that pretty much cover it? I got a couple podcasts. Oh, wow. 27 podcasts seven uh, jesus i just have the two two at the moment i i have the most relevant to the interests of today's topic you have the trek wars podcast where yes. myself my co-host aspen webster Whoop. talk about which one is better star trek or star wars but really it's just kind of a good jumping off point to talk about philosophy sociology and what our own kind mm. of political values are and so we go through each episode of both star trek and star wars in chronological release order and talk, compare contrast talk about that and you can find that at trekwarspod.com we've only had one guest so far and that has been heidi rogers whoop, whoop. that was a great episode and then also i have lasso cast where talk about the tv show ted lasso we awesome. have just wrapped up our recap of the third season and trying to figure out what the heck the podcast is going to be now because we are not entirely sure if Ted Lasso is going to continue or not. Seems pretty done. Is it any good? Hot take, Ted Lasso. Good show. Sometimes. 
dot, dot, dot. Most of the time. <laughs> Most of the time, Ted Lasso is quite good. Yes, it is. And so we talk oh, to true. film critics as well as cast and crew from the TV show. Talk about uh, Ted Lasso. Wow. You can find that at lassocast.com. Yes, absolutely. If you want to go check them out, please do. And we'll leave links to all of this in the show description for everybody. And now the conclusion of Genesis 2. We got to really crank through this. <laughs> I am just going to close my eyes real quick. Oh, good lord. Just, good lord. Just going to. Oh, God. See, we'll go through this a lot faster. I do want to say I'm a pretty hardcore person when it comes to media. I don't like just anything. This actually had so much fucking potential. I think, like, you could take a pilot like this and make it into multi-seasons. And, like, I was watching it was just, like, going, like, man, there's such potential to take this from just, like, one hour thing that was by Gene Roddenberry and make it actually something that's, like, prestige sci-fi. So, anyway, I just, the whole time, was kind of thinking about that, and it got me really excited. I'm not going to, like, do anything about it because I have a real job, and I'm not doing that. Well, now I'm just thinking about what would happen if everything else became of Genesis 2 became like very prestige sci-fi, but it's still Alex Cord as Dylan Hunt giving this campy. Yes. Yes. I mean, listen, they did it with Battlestar Galactica and they brought, what's his name from the original show there. And he did a uh pretty God good, you know, Richard Hatch was so good. But I'm talking about like Alex Cord is just like, I can't believe that sex is banned here and they're like well that it's not exactly true i think that you're simplifying these notions uh, far too much listen like, here primuses <laughs> i'm bringing sex back bringing sex back I, I, I hate to break it to y'all but he died yeah two years ago 88 i was gonna ask actually i was gonna ask hey that didn't stop them from bringing Christopher Reeve back in the flat. Oh, oh, did they? That's really right. fucking bizarre for them it's to do. It's not okay at all. And I don't really agree with that. It's like the joke from the critic of editing in all the advertisements into Jesus. Citizen Kane. Rosebud. Yes, rosebud frozen peas. Full of country goodness and green penis. Wait, that's terrible. So Dylan and Lee Ra'a arrive at Tyrania. He looks so cool here with that giant fucking fur cape. Yes. He's wearing like a like a full bear suit. That's actually just Dylan Hunt without a shirt on. Yeah. It's just how men were back in the 70s. That's how you qualified to be a leading man. You're telling me that I get to have my shirt off in this scene? <laughs> Penetrative sex. There's this amazing matte painting of, of Tyranium. Oh my gosh. Camelot. 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 It's only a model. Looks pretty goddamn cool. It's amazing. I was stunned by it. It looks like Lord of the Rings or something. It's it's so good that I was genuinely wondering how a I obviously the answer is it's a matte painting. That's how they did it. But it looks so good and so integrated to it. It looks better than CG. It, it looks gorgeous. It really is yeah. cute. It looks like a Hildebrand Brothers painting. To be fair, you say that everything looks like a Hildebrand Brothers painting. Just like Hildebrand. Well. I, I might be their agent, but uh, I do believe they are the most talented uh, background painters and working mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Dylan and Lee Ra, uh, they're wandering through what looks like a community college. 
campus. So fucking true. It's so fucking true. It probably is a college campus somewhere. It is. It looks like a community college campus. Holy shit. It looks cool. You're saying that there's a post-apocalyptic situation that's completely revigorated itself on the campus of Los Angeles Community College. <laughs> but it's pretty quickly apparent that this is a slave labor society. Who are they? They're called our helpers. Where do they come from? Some of them from far away. It's considered an honor to be here. Now, this really creeped me out. Mm-hmm. What continues to trouble you, Dylan? That they serve us so well? It's their damned eagerness to please. They love us. Just as an animal pet returns love given it? They're humans, Lyra. Astrid, are you happy here? Happy, Master? I was ill and starving until I came here. They're fortunate humans, Dylan. And they recognize it. It was very warped. Yeah, pretty telling. The Tyranians are controlling everything with these sticks that they call stems. The stem. My people believe it confers dignity. Which I guess is... Obviously short for stimulation. Oh, yeah, it is. I thought it was a dildo. Could be, apparently. Look, it can do pleasure, but it can also do pain. Pleasure pain dildo. Roddenberry's so horny. <laughs> <laughs> He's the most horny boy I've ever met. But these, these helpers, they just submit 100% to them because they're afraid they're going to get shocked. And I guess the pleasure is so good, they want that. So they're also into that as well. So it's very bizarre. Probably more into the lack of pain than anything else, though, I would imagine. It's pretty obvious that Tyrania is also short for tyrannical. Oh. That makes sense. Uh, Like Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like Tyrannosaurus Rex. I get it. I get it. The coolest dinosaur. Coolest dinosaur. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is located in Tucson? Did they say Tucson or Phoenix? It's either Phoenix or Tucson. At one point, they refer to something being of Tucsonian descent. And I was just like, oh, my God, that's so dumb. I found this fan site that was leaked to Wikipedia where this guy has collected the original prop from the show. Lord. (laughs) So many nerds. It looks like a stick and it kind of glows and it's, I guess, got like crystals on it. It looks very Star Trek. Very Star Trek. Very Star Trek. Very phallic. He's using it as a dildo 100%. Oh, 4,000%. 1,000 bajillion percent. Primitive futuristic. I mean, it gives you pleasure. You're telling me that this device gives me both pain and pleasure (laughs) unlike anything else? You really are, though, like, hard right now. Just going to Shatner right now, I feel like. No, my Shatner's different. (laughs) Your Shatner may be different, but... My Shatner's different. I'm going to stick this thing straight up my asshole. For a while, Dylan is laying around watching Lyra take baths and letting the helpers feed them and dress them and whatnot. But as soon as she falls asleep, he decides to sneak out and find out what's really going on. And while he's sneaking around outside, he's grabbed by none other than Ted Cassidy, a.k.a. Lurch, from the Addams Family. (laughs) Yes! And also, he played Ruck in What Are Little Girls Made Of from the first season of Star Trek. Sweet Jesus. How the fuck do you remember these things? Both of you. All all of you. I mean, there's no way that Ted Cassidy wasn't on Star Trek at some point. He's just like one of those guys. You know this man so well. (laughs) When he popped up, I was like, fuck, he's so handsome. Such a tough guy. He actually had like a couple of albums, too. Like he had a really 
great voice. What? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Don't believe anything you hear. And only half of what your eyes behold. And if you can't say something good about someone, don't say nothing at all. If you were an actor in the 1960s, you also released like two or three <laughs> music <laughs> true. things. Not wrong. You guys know that that is how Joe Pesci got his start, right? Seriously? What? Yes. yes. Joe, Joe Pesci was a singer before he was an actor. Oh, my God. Uh, you you can look this up. Yeah. No. We'll, we'll drop in some of that here. Day after day, alone on a hill. The man with the foolish grin is keeping perfectly still. But nobody wants to know him. They can see that he's just a fool. And he never gives an answer. Not only that, but Joe Pesci also grew up with Ricky Valley in the Four Seasons. Oh, wow. What? Huh. Now, that stuff is in his blood. And he just found his way into acting. That's bonkers. Yeah, his first album was called Little Joe Sure Can Sing. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I, I, I am not even kidding a little bit. Literally can't. It was quite simple to win the trust of most of them, and I could soon go where I wished. But when the man from the past was discovered, I realized this to be of even greater importance than my study of their sub-shuttle system. This human could also be a clever trick, a spy planted here. No. I saw him found. He's a scientist of old earth with a knowledge of machines that fly, of old weapons, and of nuclear fusion. The Tyranians? They dress like fancy Greeks with diapers. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they're cool looking, actually. Their wigs are so good. Very leggy. Roddenberry built himself as this futurist of being able to have this utopian vision of what humanity is going to achieve. And also, very often his ideas are just like, what if they're Romans? <laughs> what if? Yeah. What if it's an ancient civilization, but it's the future? Oh my God. You can definitely tell that some days Gene wanted to check out at five o'clock hard. <laughs> He was out of there by 2.30. So fucking true. I guarantee you he was walking around with a giant robe and a medallion. Like, that was his day wear. Oh, yes, he for was. sure. Oh, my gosh. That's got to be so much of his 70s. He was just he was just getting S'd right and left. You know what I mean? Just getting what now? Uh, S'd. Sucked? Sh shamed? Yeah. I don't know why I said it like that. Yeah. He was definitely <laughs> getting sucked left and right. At one point, he was in a relationship with, I can't remember her name now. Nichelle uh, Nichols and Majel Barrett. Yes. And he wanted yes. them to become a threesome. Nichelle yes. Nichols was like, no, that's okay. Majel can have you. Oh my God, his poor wife. <laughs> well, Majel didn't even leave him over that. She was down. She was very down. Was she? Do we know she was down? She was down. Good for her. Gene Roddenberry never stopped having affairs. Never. And uh, yeah. Maybe she was fine with it. She must have made a conscious choice to be like, this is what I signed up for. You yeah. have to. I think at some point, yeah. He left uh, his first yeah. wife for Majel Barrett. So she knew. Yeah, it's like you have to know if you're going into it, that's the situation. Right. Yeah. yeah, 100%. I mean, not to like shame her or anything, but like if you're the one in an affair when somebody leaves their wife, you're kind of going, I'm accepting that this is probably going to happen to me. Well, and also speaking of hoarding Roddenberry, I wrote down this line. 
while Dylan is getting introduced to Tyrania, I forget who exactly says it, but they tell him... You do well to avoid the woman's country, Dylan. Males are tolerated there only as pets. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like an amazing so... time for him, actually. But, okay, so Tyrania is supposed to be ruled by women, but it seems more like it's ruled by the, the three-man diaper committee. Oh, my gosh. That's not the woman's country, though. That's, like, that's another society, I think. Oh, they're just, like, dropping breadcrumbs for future yes. episodes. Yes, yeah. and just, like, this is the world. Uh, I, I gotta say, three-man diaper committee, one of my favorite prog rock bands. Their later albums are surprisingly underrated even though at the time they were definitely overpraised. I think so. Yeah, I saw them actually uh, open for King Crimson at Glastonbury. Oh, wow. He goes to the three-man diver committee and they try to get Dylan to fix their nuclear reactor. Will you repair our nuclear generator? Yes or no? Now you listen to me. I came into your century ill, and that's been used against me very cleverly. But I'm not sick now, and I'm getting tired of being pushed around. Training is decreed. And so they pull out a stem and they zap him. This fight scene gave me so much fucking stress. Which he seems almost in so. Yes, it was very weird. Like, kick him in the nuts, yeah. you fucking idiot. <laughs> right there. This guy's not protecting himself Without at all. Look at these little stems. These dudes yeah. are soft. Yeah. You know, they're supposed to be really strong. They are clearly soft as hail. Absolutely. And he, Dylan's the only one that, like, realizes. Everyone else is too scared. To be fair, Heidi. This is 1970s jacked. So yeah, they're That's they're true. soft. That's he's basically Chris Hemsworth right yeah. there. Oh lord, I'm glad. Like I wish I lived in the 70s for certain reasons, but man, not for that one. Every man is looking at Alex Cord as Dylan Hunt on Genesis 2 and being like, "Oh come on, I can't match that." I think he looks good. They sign him some slave duties, and he's like in the meat locker helping people cut up meat. You know, he's supposed to go to training immediately. And it's like, wait, what? You're telling me I have to serve in a meat locker? And I think, but as soon as the taskmaster goes away, he gets with his spy friends again. And they're like in a storage closet, I guess, fixing radios or something like that. Because they use, this is the part that I got lost in. They got, they use like radios to locate the stem locker where, where all the stems are being hidden. Yeah, I didn't understand this. I thought it was a love detector at one point as well. Yeah, he's like waving it in front of Lira at one point. Do you love me, Lira? Don't be a fool. But I'm incapable of feeling love as you understand it. Oh, you love me. Huh? <laughs> yeah, because Lira is enough of a rube to where you can trick her with this technology. Meanwhile, there's no analog in the in the world of the people that are watching this to be like, oh yes, this thing that we definitely know is not a lie detector. Heidi, that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. They break into the storage closet and they steal all the stems and start passing them out to all of the wig-wearing helper slaves. <laughs> and they, he basically starts a rebellion. But in the confusion, all the pack spies and Dylan managed to get aboard the sub shuttle. Remember the sub shuttle? Yeah, Remember that? Remember it's back. Apparently, there's a sub shuttle between Tyrania and Pax. Deal. Like it's like there's stops along the way that you can get out. Apparently, yeah. But like they're Pax's shuttles. I don't get that. Exactly. Yeah, they but... get out at that stop. You know what will happen to them if they're caught? What do you want? The power station. Or this time, my people will destroy me too. But when Dylan gets back to Pax, 
And he goes outside, and he's standing there with all the Primuses. I remember seeing Dylan at PAX one time. <laughs> it, was, it was right when he went electric. People were just cruel about it. This is where it got super confusing. Oh my gosh. We are skipping over the short fondue party in Tyrania <laughs> that Lyra asked, <laughs> where she's eating loose meat and baklava, which is thrilling. While she's taking a bath. Yeah. And then we're also skipping over the tasteful character of Singh, mm, geez. who is in some of the brown face is bad, yes. full, full stop. And it's also just bad brown face because they only do his head. I didn't know it was brown face. Yeah. You could see his chest and you could see his arms that are very clearly very white. Mm, okay. Yeah. I thought it was just bad makeup. I mean, <laughs> Heidi, guess what? Me. You're right. It is bad makeup. It's real bad makeup. I didn't clock that that was brown face. Interesting. And not only brown face, but it's it's poorly done brown face. <laughs> if you have to do brown face. You know, you, sh you just shouldn't ever do it. And you shouldn't. Go, go hard? <laughs> yeah, I was like, you, you yeah. shouldn't ever yeah. do do that? Yeah, but... but oh, no, just just no. <laughs> just don't do it. But also, like, make sure you get the arms. <laughs> oh, and then also sing another Star Trek reference. Because Khan, Nooney, and Sing, because Gene Roddenberry has a friend. I had a friend named Kim Nudian Singh and him. Uh, oh, really? There was a person named Nudian Singh? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I did not know that. Kim Nudian Singh. And so Khan Nudian Singh was Roddenberry being like, <laughs> my buddy. Shout out to them. And then this character of Singh is just like another reference to this friend. It's wild. He really loves that guy. Oh, and freaking Isaiah is also Ted Cassidy. He's a white Comanche warrior. Yes. Yeah, he was the Comanche. Which also goes hand in hand with that weird 70s obsession with how white America just really got to Native American culture. Mm, tasty. For a while. Very like everything tasty. was turquoise. They get back to Pax and they're standing outside with some of the, the Primuses. And Dylan is like, oh, I set off a, a nuclear bomb. I don't know why it hasn't gone off. Oh, there it goes. I tried to set off the warhead at their generator. But something went wrong. Your only chance now is if I can blow up that missile silo. I'll need a team. First, you must understand a few things about Pax. Okay, so pause for just a second. This show was going back and forth and all, all around, but I was following everything. And then uh -huh. we get to the point where they're escaping. He's going to the train. She's there. They absolutely have the upper hand. But she says, and I had subtitles. I rewound this like three times because it was like, what the fuck? She gave him some little doodad that made the train go. Then before he could get in, it almost looked like they pushed him out of the train. I know it's not the way it was supposed to look, but it did. And then she got him back. Mm -hmm. And we go back to the, the Pax village. And they're like, well, he went back there. And then they go to the scene and they're like, oh, he went to do a nuclear bomb. Mm -hmm. She's gone, but she let him go, even though she had kept him. Like, and then he's like, I hope she's okay. She, uh, hopefully she made it back to the city in time. And it's like, what the fuck? We just jumped over so much stuff that just happened. Like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. Not only that, but Lyra Ah uh, had infiltrated Pax in the beginning of the episode so she could f uh, feed intelligence back to Tyrania. But then Dylan Hunt is so tasty, and she's so thirsty for Dylan Hunt, is willing to betray uh, Tyrania because she just needs Dylan Hunt so bad because she's in love with him. They're naturally in love. They're in love. Yeah. Not not in lust. In, in love. love. Yes. Um, yummy. And then, 
But does she get left behind? I don't remember if she actually met. Does she go back to PAX with him? We never see it, though. Yeah, she's never seen Like, I just don't see any of it. Because he sits off the nuclear bomb, okay? And then they're like... Dylan Hunt, did you take lives? There were thousands of lives at stake right here. We trade one life for a thousand. Couldn't we justify a hundred for more? Perhaps 10,000 for still more? That same reasoning destroyed your world, Dylan Hunt. That just saved everything you fought over 150 years for. You join us, Dylan Hunt. You must swear to give your life or any of our lives rather than take another. Well, I'm not sure I've got that kind of guts, Primus. We all must this time. It's like, what? He just committed genocide of like a huge city. <laughs> and they're like, okay. No more. They're like, did you hurt anyone? And do that to be a part of our society. And like, didn't y'all just have a bunch of spies go over to the weirdo land and like, it's different. Use those sticks on them and like, I'm just like, yeah. didn't your own people just go do that? Like, I'm just, it was like, wait, he went back and to fix something, but he secretly did a bomb. She helped. I, what? She was going to come back as a double mutant. But then he's like, well, I think she made it back to the city, so she's probably okay. Lyra, uh... Uh, she said she was going back to the city. If she was being honest with me, she's safe. But the bomb blew up the city. That's what I thought. That's what I thought happened. Look, we've all done a bomb. Naturally, Harper Smythe comes up with kids to look at the great stars. Yes. Forgive me, Primai. We heard there were so many stars visible tonight. And yes. my little brother... Yes, yes. Beautiful. They should be enjoyed. It's the shockwave! And that's exactly whenever the shockwave from the nuclear bomb happens, to which they're yelling, it's just wind! It's just wind! Meanwhile, I'm over here being like, it's probably mixed with heavy amounts of radiation. Yeah, no, you're all going to die. Yeah, oh, you're yeah, all going to die. Radiation, yeah. yeah. It's not that far away. No. Go down. Go, go back down. No diggity. No <laughs> doubt. <laughs> huh. But 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 it ends with Dylan telling Harper Lee that you want to have some children. I'm sorry, not Harper Lee, Harper Smith. And I was like, all right. Harper Lee wrote to kill a mockingbird. <laughs> yeah, she did. And then she disappeared until her somebody did some elder abuse and made her write another book. Go tell a watchman. Yeah, it's weird that Harper Lee only wrote to kill a mockingbird. Never followed that up <laughs> except for. An excellent performance in Genesis 2. And then go Those three things. Oh my God. Well, I I wrote to kill a mockingbird and then I'm going out for pilot season this year. Jesus Christ. But okay, but here's the thing. Here's the last line of this, and I have it, I have it right here on the screen. This is from the the, the subtitles. Is he tells uh Harper Smith. Do you like children, Dylan Hunt? Why, is this a proposal, Harper Of course not. Betty, I bet you've got a great pancreas. I bet, bet you've got a great pancreas. Oh my lord. What? Yeah, it's a reference to earlier. Is it? Yeah, you missed that line? No, I missed it. Yes, it was. Yeah, I caught, I caught that. He's, she's like, she's like, oh, soon you'll be telling me that I've got a beautiful liver or a beautiful pancreas. Like pancreas. Roddenberry soul. He's such a horny boy. Look at my beautiful pancreas. It functions. Well, that that is Genesis 2. We made it all the way through. We damn did it. So, I, there's just, there's so much potential in this. Like, there just really is. Gonna, I'm not going to write it. It's just... We have six episode concepts that we know of from the Lincoln Enterprise catalog number six. I thought we could look at some of these and see if these have any potential. Yeah.
Yes, please. All right. Number one, us. Mm. Oh, sorry. Wrong, wrong text file. Number one, company B, a Trojan horse suicide squad. Oh my. From the days of the great conflict comes out of suspended am- animation and attacks packs. They represent the 1995 AD ideal of a perfect soldier. That sounds awesome. Universal soldier with Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren. I was going to say this is genuinely the plot for Space Seed, the con episode of the first season of Star Trek. Oh. Oh. To the point where con is from 1996. You're right. You're right. Oh, my God. You're so correct. Hey, you should watch it. It'll be like watching Genesis 2. Electric Boogaloo. Never seen it. Number two, London Express, a hair-raising journey through submerged portions of the North Atlantic subshuttle tube to mysterious London of 2133 AD. Cool. Love it. I love it. Dylan Hunt and Team 21 meet Lyra Ah there and the Mad Monarch, King Charles X. No, King Charles X, like Jason X. Love it, because those systems <laughs> go through the whole world, which is fantastic. Such a fun idea. That There's so much you can do. It's fantastic. And they somehow control it and people can't get in, I guess. I don't know. It's wonderful. I, I love say, that. The second episode of Star Trek is called Charlie X. What? Oh, it's the one with Ron Howard's, Ron Howard's little brother. No, that's that's another episode called The Corbomite Maneuver. Oh. But good, good memory. This one's about another kid who is mad. And has telekinetic powers. Mad. <laughs> Story of my life. I'll read this one. Robots return. The advanced computers and sophisticated machinery found on a moon of Neptune by a 1992 NASA expedition have evolved into a new form of robot life and visit Earth in search of the god named NASA. What? We meet Hunt, formerly of NASA, and consider him a messiah. Okay. Way to go, future of 1992. I want to talk about Poodle Shop, though. Poodle Shop. Hold hold on a second, because... I'm so sorry, I apologize. I got real excited about Poodle Shop. Robots Return is Star Trek the motion picture, to to the point where in the original version of uh, Star Trek the motion picture, it wasn't called V'ger, it was called Ensa. Dang. Wow. You want to read Poodle Shop? Poodle Shop. (laughs) Poodle Shop. Poodle Shop. Oh my god, do I? Poodle Shop. No, no, it's going to be, it's, wait, yeah, wait for it. It's going to be, it's going to be real good, guys. Poodle Shop. Dylan Hunt is captured and put on sale by the female. A strange society where men are treated as domestic pets and often traded back and forth for breeding purposes. Guys, I want to watch that. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, wait, also Futurama. <laughs> that sounds very horny. It's extremely horny. Shock and awe. It's extremely horny. Okie dokie. So. This one is the Star Trek The Next Generation episode, Angel One. Which one is that? Is that the one where Riker goes to the horny planet? Really? Yeah. That's a first season one, right? Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it's a matriarchal society where women are the stronger and men adopt a more subservient role. They can't even resist Riker. And that's at least according to the brief trivia that I'm looking at here was supposed to be a commentary on apartheid. As well, at least in terms of Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, yeah. This is a really fun episode. I disagree with with all of you. Season one of TNG is fun. And I kind of like unbearded Riker. It has moments. It has its moments. It's fun. 
But here's the thing. When you tell people that go watch TNG and they start with season one, most people don't make it all the way through because it's not it's great. good to come in on season one. It's way too weird. You need to come in on season three, watch it all the way through, and then start over. Because like the last episode of TNG, they revisit season one in some of the scenes and like you're ready for it but yeah that that's my only problem with season one is it's not a good introduction to the series it's way too weird interesting i can't disagree with that i suppose but i do love season one yeah i love tng period we got two more the apartment trapped inside 20th century ruins by a mysterious force field hunt is catapulted through a time continuum to 1975 where he can be seen as a transparent ghost by the girl living in the apartment there, a bizarre love affair with a surprise twist ending. And this this reminds me of both the second episode of Voyager. It is very Voyager. And the episode of Out of Phase or... The next phase, yeah. The next phase where Jordy and, and Roe are like ghosts and they, they're like wandering around the ship. Huh. But Roddenberry is not there by that point, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're just digging around and being like, we got an episode. Oh, yeah. They, they totally did that. So a lot of these are kind of at this point in the 90s, like we have the movie ghost. Like we have, we've had these ideas for a while. They're not No, this is unique. Been mine. We <laughs> have the I movie mean? Ghost Dad. Ghost Dad. Uh, All right. Wh- Whoopi's got her Oscar by that point for ghost. What if your dad was a ghost and only you could see him, but he was a dead goat. The Electric Company. Dylan Hunt and his PAX team encounter a place where a strong priesthood holds a society in bondage through the clever use of electricity. The simple inhabitants see the flashes of light and the amplified voices as the sight and sound of God. But Dylan's team ends the dominance of the priesthood when they come up with still better tricks. Hmm. You're telling me that this God is just simple electricity? Thomas Edison would laugh. (laughs) Jeez, you're telling me this God is in my apartment and he's (laughs) doing affairs? Doing affairs, guys. Last thing we need to talk about is the fact that this pilot was remade. What? Not once, not twice, but three times. Shut up. First, it was remade in 1974 as Planet Earth, and then in 1975 as Strange New World, both times starring John Saxon. Strange New World cover is bananas. Yes. I would have jumped on that when I was a kid. And finally, in the early 2000s as Andromeda... Starring former Hercules actor and walking piece of shit, Kevin Sorbo. What? Yep. It's Andromeda. I had no idea. That's wild. The main character's name, Dylan Hunt. Seriously? Strange New World had no involvement from Gene Roddenberry. Really? It's wild that this was made into multiple shows, though. Because the truth is, you, you can see that it's a cool idea, right? Like, Past guy goes to future. It's our common past, which is what we love about Star Trek. We get to make references to all of this stuff back in the day, quote unquote. And I think sometimes for some people, Star Wars, they just don't quite get the same vibe, which I love both in very different ways. But this feels like there's just so much fun that could be had. And honestly, you could, even though they've remade it multiple times, you could make this into such a a cool longevity, honestly, 
like prestige type mm. of sci-fi if you wanted to, which I don't think anybody does, but you could. We'll have to bring y'all back. We'll have to watch Planet Earth and Strange New Worlds <laughs> and all five seasons of Andromeda. We, we should legitimately do. I mean, I don't need <laughs> to be a part of that one. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Andromeda also part of the Gene Roddenberry brand extension that happened in the mid to late 90s. Because there's not only Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda, which is how it was known on TV, but there's also Gene Roddenberry's Earth Final Conflict, and they're basically just kind of rummaging around all of the leftover drawers and being like, what can we slap Gene Roddenberry's name on? And then Andromeda, not only is it a former Gene Roddenberry project. Gene Roddenberry joint. A Gene Roddenberry joint. But the showrunner, the executive producer of that is Robert Hewitt Wolf, who was one of the key writers on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Oh. So they're bringing someone that has Star Trek experience to come in and be like, cool, do, do this. Make this into kind of another mm. Star Trek. And I mean, obviously it went for five seasons. It's wild. So... And also another science fiction show that was in syndication, just like Star Trek The Next Generation. So much from that mold. And also just thinking about Genesis 2 and Roddenberry's 70s where the myth and the legend that Roddenberry became of the as, as being the great bird of the galaxy. And at this point, he hasn't come into being that. He's still forming his legend. Right now he's going around to college campuses, but Star Trek conventions are aren't yet a thing and so there is the alternate perspectives that Roddenberry has on humanity as opposed to kind of the blanket statements that he would make starting in the 80s holy shit like Star Trek one one last weird fact that that I'd like to bring up is the show that they chose over Genesis 2 does anybody know Tom Sawyer Genesis 5 it was the Planet of the Apes TV show you maniac! Damn you, God! Damn you all Wow. Oh. Oh, it was actually earlier, and I totally forgotten. But the whole time I was going, "Oh, this is Planet of the Apes." Yeah, <laughs> Planet of the Apes. It's Planet really of the is. Apes. Very much Planet of the Apes. <laughs> I absolutely forgot to mention that earlier. Yes, it's like it is Planet of the Apes, one hundred percent. Oh man, yeah, because Planet of the Apes. Oh man, yeah, yeah that was a huge franchise. At the time, that was like an A-list property. And those movies were yes, And I honestly loved old school Planet of the Apes. They had already made like three Planet of the Apes movies. And I think Warner Brothers acquired the Planet of the Apes. And they were like, oh, we got to we gotta make a show. Makes sense. And then they made the show. And then they, they like combined all the episodes, like, you know, three at a time into movies. Yeah. So the, the, the show turned into movies. Yeah, it looks like they did oh, quite man, a few that's episodes. Fascinating. 14 yeah. episodes, it seems. It... 14 episodes, yeah. I love Planet of the Apes so hard. Like the OG ones and the more recent ones. I love them. I love them. The, oh my God. I just watched the Tim Burton one for our friends, Bill and Rob's podcast, Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure. And I got to say, the plan, the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes movie looks like fucking Citizen Kane compared to some of the shit that I've watched in the last few years. Oh like, it's, it's absolutely it's true. Legitimately, I was like, oh, they put care into this fucking movie. The freaking makeup. and No, I actually enjoyed that movie. I mean, it's not what it's look, it is what it is. It's not the greatest, but like it had a point of view. The characters were pretty consistent. And also yeah. I fucking love Helena Bonham Carter. And also Eric, is it not Eric Roth? What's his name? 
Tim Roth. Tim Roth. I am obsessed with Tim Roth. I think he's an incredible actor that is undervalued. And uh, he just great. goes so hard in that movie. You guys, I love him. Yeah. Yeah. And so honestly, it's a fun time. Like Mark Wahlberg's in it, but the rest of the cast is like really crushing to that makeup. Tim Burton, Planet of the Apes, also features one of the best cameos by Paul Giamatti that will ever exist. I guess it's not even a cameo. He's he's in it a couple times. But. Yes. Yes. Giamatti rules. Yes. Yeah. Giamatti, like, he's, his, like, it's like this, like, giant chin, like, I don't know what he is. Is he orangutan? Yeah. He's an orangutan, I think. Orangutan. 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 Not orangutan. No, it's orangutan. That's why it's called Tang, because they shot an orangutan into space. And then NASA was like, we need to name something after this fucking beautiful ape that we just shot into space. So they're like, how about an orange soda drink? <laughs> so they made Tang, and that's why it's called Tang. Tang orange, orangutan. Orange Tang or orangutan. Thank you so much for joining us on this thought-provoking debate about failed television violence. Did you like it? Well, did ya? I've got some great news for you. There's plenty more where that came from. Check out Pottinair wherever you get your podcasts. And join in on the fun over at Pottinging Air on Twitter. And at Pottinging Air Podcast on Instagram. And hey... If you've come across a crazy pilot you'd like us to cover, or if you just want to tell us what a shitty job we're doing, email us over at pottinair at gmail.com. A Bridge Burner Collective Podcast. <laughs>